Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about the prelims of the upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC in Boston, Dominic Reyes versus Chris Weidman in an exciting light heavyweight showdown. But of course, as you guys who are already fans of the show know, we will not be talking about that fight whatsoever. And the reason is quite simple, is because this show is all about the prelims. Now, if you guys are out there, you're new to the show, maybe you're wondering why do you only talk about the prelims? And the answer is very simple. The answer is that you already know a lot about these main card fighters. You probably already have picks made or maybe a podcast you go to for breakdowns. But you don't have information on the prelim fighters, and that's where there's money to be won in both gambling and daily fantasy sports, and we're here to help you on that. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, I would be remiss if I did not mention that the exclusive sponsor of this podcast is BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is changing the way you play daily fantasy sports for MMA because they are the only daily fantasy sports site fully focused on MMA in this way. Plus, they're changing the way that we look at daily fantasy sports for MMA because they changed the format. We're no longer looking at salary caps. We're no longer worried about whether or not our fighter has more significant strikes than another fighter and things like that that wind up losing you money on those other guys. Instead, you just pick five winners, five methods, and five rounds, and that's it. You just got to pick who wins, how they win, and when they win. And if you know that, then you really know MMA, right? We want the people who know MMA to win at daily fantasy sports. And if you're still not sold, they've got a free game right now that you can go check out in their lobby. All you got to do is create a new username. Go ahead and click that game and you can win some free BSMMA swag. Or if you're feeling like you can possibly throw some money down, they have got a $1 contest. That's right. It's just $1 and you can win your share of a $50 prize pool. So check out both of those games at BSMMA.com and start making your picks today. And to help you with those picks over on BSMMA.com, I've enlisted the help of another savvy co-host. Joining us from Fansided MMA is Kristen King. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for having me. I appreciate how fast you reached out to me for this, so I'm super excited to be with you. Awesome, cool. So, as you guys know, we do this in three five-minute rounds, so we'll start by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Charles Rosa versus Manny Bermudez. So Rosa is 1-2 in the last three fights. He lost a decision to Yair Rodriguez, won a decision over Kyle Bochniak, and most recently was TKO'd by Shane Burgos. And he hasn't fought in two years at this point in time. Manny Bermudez had won 14 straight, including three in the octagon, before he lost to Casey Kenny last time out. So my question for you, Kristen, is Bermudez relies a lot on his grappling, but last time out was sort of neutralized. Is Charles Rosa good enough to neutralize that grappling of Manny Bermudez? Um, To a certain extent, I think he is, but I don't know how much that's going to play a role into this fight. Honestly, like you just said, he's been out for uh, about two years, so I I may be factoring in a little bit of ring rust for Charles Rosa. I mean, obviously, he can fall back on his bread and butter, but we don't know if we're going to see that kind. And having the record that he's had in the UFC, it hasn't looked that great for him. Um, So I fully expect Manny Bermudez to actually control the fight. Obviously, Bermudez, he connects more when it comes down to significant strikes, and I think that's been a problem for Rosa. Rosa throws a lot, but he doesn't connect as much. Um, And I also think that another determining factor in this fight would be the move up in weight for Bermudez, because now he's no longer a uh, a bantamweight. I think he's a featherweight now after the Casey Kenny fight, and he was... uh, 
tried to have a catchweight fight at 140 and they advised him to move up. So I think perhaps without the drastic weight cut that he was dealing with, he might feel a little bit more comfortable at 145. And I think he should be able to get it done Um especially uh, on the feet if it does stand there. If he can block all of Charles Rose's uh, takedowns, he should be fairly good in this fight. That's interesting to say, too, that, that you think this, like, grappler versus grappler matchup might stay on the feet. And, and, and you know, maybe Bermudez is not, like, a world beater on the feet, but I do think you're right on this. I, I think he's probably a little bit better than Charles Rosa when it comes to striking. Um, and if it all plays out the way that you're saying, I, I think probably a unanimous decision is in the cards here because I don't see him finishing him with strikes. So uh, that's going to be my official pick. I'm going to take Manny Bermudez by unanimous decision. How about you? Yeah, same here. I'm going to take Bermudez by decision. I just see him outworking Charles Rosa anywhere the fight goes anyway. Even though Rosa is slightly better on the ground, I just feel like Manny Bermudez is not going to have too much of that, and he should get a solid win here. All right, and that's going to take us through our second fight, which is Molly McCann versus Deanna Belbita. So Molly McCann dropped her debut to Jillian Robertson, but since has beat Priscilla Cachuerda and Ariane Lipsky, uh, Deanna Belbita is making her UFC debut. She's 13-4 and four and on a four-fight winning streak, but if you look at that four-fight winning streak, only one of those fighters is not was a fighter not making their, their MMA debut, and that was somebody she had already fought, and they were one and two. So how worried are you about Belbita's padded record here stepping into the cage with McCann. Oh, I'm very worried because this is not the the kind of promotion to have a padded record on, and especially against someone like Molly McCann, who I firmly believe is the better striker and she has really good power. And uh, if she relies on that, she's going to do really well in this fight. I'm not going to compare it too much to uh, Molly's last fight against Priscilla Cachoeira, I believe it was. Um, and as far as just this lopsided kind of fight that went down, but I kind of see something similar playing out with Belbita because even though Belbita is very good in the clinch, um, she does lack a little bit of speed when it comes down to her striking overall. And on top of that, her head movement is a problem. And against someone like Molly, who is a very good boxer, that could be a problem because Molly's going to hit that target over and over and over again. And if she gets that done, she could very well finish this fight. Um, obviously, Belbita, she has a lot of work to do. And I think this is a very, very tough debut for her. But I, I see Molly definitely uh, uh, dominating this fight. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head there, too, when you were talking about her lack of head movement. Because if you look back to some of Molly McCann's fights while she was in Cage Warriors, she fought Brianni Terrell who also seemed to be in the same boat there, not having such great head movement. And Molly was able to put her away by just putting the pressure on, putting her against the cage, and throwing tons of strikes, throwing volume. And, and that's really one of the things she's great at doing is throwing volume. I think for that reason here, I, I am with you. I, I totally wouldn't be surprised if Molly McCann can get her out of here, um, especially given the fact that you know the volume's there. She's, she doesn't tire very much. So I, I'm going to go with Molly McCann by TKO. I'll, I'll say second round because that'll be when Belbita starts to tire. How about you? Yeah, you read my mind, man. I'm thinking TKO second round for Molly. All right, and that's going to do it with the first round. We will be back after a quick word from our sponsors. My favorite part about playing daily fantasy sports when I'm watching MMA is showing my friends that I know way more than them when it comes to MMA. Of course, I'm the host of the show, and with you listening to the show, you probably know more about your friends than MMA as well. So what I would suggest to you is to go start a create your own contest option at bsmma.com. It is fully customizable for you to pick how much you want to wager, how many people you want in there, how you want the payout structure to work, fully customizable. So check it out at bsmma.com, get your friends all involved, and let's start taking their money. 
And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And to start this round, we're going to start by talking about Kyle Bochniak versus Sean Woodson. Bochniak on a two-fight losing streak to Hakeem Dawudo and Zabit Magomed Sharapov, both by decision. Woodson's going to be making his UFC debut at 6-0. He just beat Terrence McKinney by flying knee on the Contender Series. So here's my question for you. Bochniak has got a little bit of grappling. As a matter of fact, his grappling's pretty impressive working with Joe Lozon, but he seems to fall in love with his striking. Do you think he realizes that his biggest advantage here is the grappling, and do you think he falls back on it? Well, I certainly hope so, because as you saw in um, Woodson's uh, Contender Series fight against Terrence McKinney, I believe, the grappling was a big part of the first round for McKinney. He definitely controlled the fight. He took the back of Woodson, and he had that. He was looking for submissions early and often, which seemed to be a problem for Woodson. And you could also relate that maybe to his lack of experience on the ground, but also the weight cut, because on that uh, contender series fight, he had to cut weight in just like several days, I believe. I think it was less than a week he had to cut weight to make that fight. So instead of using all of his energy, especially after that weight cut, I think he tried to wait it out a little bit as far as the grappling exchanges went. But the problem with someone like Kyle Bokniak with the kind of grappling prowess that he has, especially training with someone like Joe Lozon. Um, I don't think that he's going to give Woodson any room to, as unfortunate as it is that he has fallen in love with the striking. I, I actually love Kyle Bokniak's uh, fights. I, I think he's very, very exciting. I just hope that he doesn't become too predictable in a sense that he'll mix up his striking a little bit and then go for a poorly timed takedown because we saw what happened against Terrence McKinney. He got that flying knee knockout and uh, Woodson definitely is capable of finishing the fight. I, I just think that hopefully Kyle is going to rely on his grappling to do that because if not, he might be in for a long night and this could very well be one of those fights that could send him off the roster, which is unfortunate because he's taken on some really, really big names, especially at, at the division uh, he's in. So my advice for Kyle Bokniak is to pressure early, frustrate Woodson, get him to the ground and hopefully look for that submission. So here's my question for you. If it does stay on the feet, if Bocciniak does, you know, sort of go against the game plan you're hoping for him, do you think Woodson has the power to put him away? Because he is notoriously hard to put away. Exactly. And it, I, that's why I don't, I'm not entirely sure that Woodson can put him away. He definitely does have the power to do so. But with someone as durable as, as Bocciniak is, I mean, he, he lasted all three rounds with Zabit and after like the second round of just being uh beat pretty handedly he turned up the volume he threw he threw away the game plan and just kept coming forward even with Zabit's biggest shot so uh I, I don't know if Woodson has the 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 power to finish someone like Bokniak but that's not to say he could finish anybody else because if it was anybody else besides Bokniak then perhaps yeah he could finish that fight but with Bokniak he's just like He's got this chin on him, same same with Joe Lozon, his mentor, you know what I mean? So I, I don't think that Woodson is going to be able to do that much better on the feet, but it should make for an interesting fight. They're both exciting fighters. All right, so that's going to bring me to asking you for your official prediction. What do you like in this one? I'm going to say Kyle Bokniak by unanimous decision if he does stick with a grappling-heavy game plan. All right, and I'm going to go against you on this one. I actually think Sean Woodson will come in with looking a whole lot better in his defensive grappling, especially given that he doesn't have to cut that enormous amount of weight. So I'm going to go with Woodson, but of course I'm going to go with it by decision as well because, hey, nobody's knocking Kyle Bochniak out. Um, and that's going, to bring us to our exactly. second, that's going to bring us to our second fight in this round, which is Randy Costa versus Boston Salmon. So uh, Costa lost his UFC debut to Brandon Davis by rear naked choke. Uh, Salmon also lost his UFC debut to Khalid Taha by TKO in just 25 seconds. So I think we could probably throw both of their last bouts out as far as analyzing them because they were both quick and, and maybe not so impressive. 
Who are you more impressed with when you look at their local record? Honestly, because I know his record is super small right now, and it was a little bit peculiar to have him signed so early to the UFC. But his, his uh, striking and his overall game is something that is worth seeing. And especially if they think that he's ready for the UFC, then I, I can't really argue against that. And he really did put on a show against Hurt in the first round, and it looked like he was on his way to a really stellar uh, UFC debut. Unfortunately, that didn't happen for him. But um, I'm more impressed with Randy. I just think his overall explosiveness and, and having the kind of heavy-handed power that he has I, I think he's one to watch out for, especially in this fight against Boston. Yeah, and I, I think, too, not not that we want to, you know, test Boston's chin just on that one fight, but but the fact that he's a guy who's been knocked out recently uh, off, always gives you pause when you're thinking about him and when he's going in with a guy who has such explosive hands, especially early on. Uh, I'm going to take Randy Costa, and I'm going to take him here by early knockout. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. I think Randy Costa has the ability to do something like that against Boston Salmon, who in his fights before, he has shown to be really, really patient and he always waits to counter. I don't think Randy Costa is going to do that. He's not going to allow him any chance to do anything like that. So if he has Boston hurt, Randy's going to follow up immediately. And, and I could see a very maybe a first round knockout for Randy Costa. All right. Well, that's going to do it for round number two. We still got three fights to talk about in round number three, and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. So we already talked about how BSMMA.com is changing the way we play daily fantasy sports by simplifying it by having five winners, five rounds, five methods, and that's it. But they also want you to really prove that you know more about MMA than your fellow MMA fan. And you can do that by using their bonuses option. On every single fight that you pick, you can attach an extra bonus to that shows that you knew not only who is going to win, but how the fight was going to go. For instance, they've got the AC Slater bonus that every single time your fighter hits a takedown, you get three bonus points. And if you know your fighter goes for lots of takedowns, prove that to us by snatching that bonus. There's four other bonuses. You should get to know them all at bsmma.com and then start making that money. And we are back with round number three. We got three more fights to talk about. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Court McGee versus Sean Brady. McGee has lost three of his last four fights with his only win in the last three years being the Alex Garcia by decision. Brady making his UFC debut. He's 10-0 with wins in organizations like LFA, CFFC. He beat Colton Smith semi-recently. So obviously Brady comes in here as the hot prospect and he packs some serious heat in his punches. McGee being as durable as he is. Do you think he can on, uh, outlast the onslaught and turn this into, you know, sort of the drag of a fight that McGee typically does? Yeah, honestly, I, I see that kind of fight playing out here. I know Sean Brady is this absolute, like, monster, especially on the amateur scene. He's been doing fairly well, um, and he's just kind of been, like, this killer. So I, I love watching him fight, and I know he's going to have uh, a really good— he's going to find success with mixing in his striking and his wrestling, but against someone like Court McGee, who is also, like you said, is very durable. He's also a very good wrestler, and I just don't see Court McGee being able to be— um, bullied in a sense by Sean Brady like everyone is predicting I, I just don't see that as happening um as far as Court McGee his striking is still there he has really good volume if he's able to just push forward and come on with the punches as as early and often as he can he could very he could very well make a difficult fight for Sean Brady um yeah I mean they're both a threat on the ground 
they're both controlling on the ground. And for whatever reason, I wanted to pick Sean Brady when I first saw this fight. But as of recently, I started to look at it more. And I said, maybe Court McGee could really drag this out like he's done before. He's this durable, battle-tested veteran. And I, and I, I just don't see him being thrown around like that anymore. I know he's possibly thinking about uh, retirement soon, but I don't think that's going to play into his mindset as far as going into this fight. And I know it seems like a one of those fights where the veteran is kind of being led to the slaughterhouse by taking on like a young, hot prospect that should handily beat him. Uh, but I just think that is not the matchup here. I, I think if Court McGee can last all three rounds, then it should very well favor Court on the scorecards. Interesting, because uh, the, the thing that sticks out to me here, and you're right, the, the strength of the wrestling is what you hear about with Sean Brayley. The, the thing that sticks out to me is I, I see this as a fight where he's probably going to be the much quicker fighter and the much faster fighter. So if it, if it winds up not a grappling match or if he finds that he doesn't have the advantage against McGee, I, I see him being able to probably pick him apart at distance. So it sounds like we're going to be different on this one, too. I, I'm going to take Sean Brady, and I'm actually going to take him by late finish here, probably TKO. Uh, it sounds like you're going McGee, though, huh? Yes, I'm going to go with the veteran. I, and I, like I said, I wanted to choose Sean Brady, but there's just something about someone like Court McGee that I just can't look past. And I think that's what's happening here. I understand that, but hopefully the veteran can get it done. And that's what I think is going to happen. All right. And that's going to bring us to the heavyweights, Daniel Spitz versus Tanner Bozer. So Spitz, one and two in the UFC. He beat Anthony Freight Train Hamilton, but then he lost to Walt Harris and Mark Godbeer. Uh, Bolser's making his debut, although he tried to make his debut in July, but that fight got canceled. He's 16-5-1. He was the unified MMA champ on the regional circuit. Here's my big question. Spitz is very long, and Tanner Bolser for a heavyweight is not very long. Is there any way Bolser can get on the inside so he can land those big strikes? Well, that's the thing. I'm not entirely sure because Daniel Spitz, even though he, I would say his knockout power is not quite there yet. He doesn't have like a one punch knockout power kind of thing. He does move really well from a distance and he can land that jab at will. So if he's on, if you're on his outside, he can just strike you over and over again. And there's probably nothing you can do about it. And I think the height discrepancy between him and, and Tanner will also have a really, really significant role in this fight. Um, someone like Bosser, he obviously has power, um, but he doesn't move around a lot, and that is concerning to me. So I honestly feel like Daniel Spitz might move around because Daniel Spitz has really good movement around the cage. He might move around, force Bosser to chase him throughout the fight, and just land at will on the outside. If Bosser cannot push his way forward, which I, I don't really, I haven't seen too much of that from him, um, he's going to have a long night with, with Daniel Spitz. He's just going to keep getting hit and hit and hit, and then eventually it could open up a finish. I'm not entirely sure because, as I said, the finishing uh, IQ for for Daniel Spitz is, is doesn't seem to be all there as of right now but if he could just stay on the outside i think he's golden so i, I don't know if boster is able to come in and i know he didn't have that ufc debut he probably has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he wanted to show his work um but i just hope you know he doesn't have that stand still right in the middle of the octagon because i don't think that's going to do very much for him yeah, I kind of agree with you here, but uh, the other thing that I think of, too, is that when I'm thinking about somebody like B Bozer, he's looking to land that big punch, and if he gets frustrated, he's going to be rushing forward to try to land that big punch, and I think at the heavyweight division, a lot of people can make him pay for that, but as you said, Daniel Spitz, not the type of guy who's going to do a one-punch, put-him-away kind of deal, and for that reason, I just think Bozer's probably going to land that big shot somewhere in there. So I'm leaning Bozer by by knockout, probably when he gets frustrated and, and actually throws probably not his best strike of the fight. But I'm going to go with Bozer by, by knockout here. Uh, how about you? Sounds like you're leaning Spitz. 
Yeah, I'm leaning Spitz just a little bit because the only concern that I have is if Bolster cannot get that one-punch knockout uh, at any moment in the fight, uh, he's going to be chasing Spitz for the majority of the fight. And we got to make sure that his cardio is well. It, it's good. And if it's not against someone like Daniel Spitz, he's going to be tired. And that could open up an opportunity for Daniel to finally get those punches off, especially from the outside. And maybe we could see a finish from Daniel. Who knows? But right now, my prediction is going to be Spitz by unanimous decision. I just see this fight maybe going on a little bit longer than expected. I know everyone wants a big knockout from heavyweights, but sometimes that doesn't always materialize. So I think Spitz should get it done by unanimous decision if he fights the right way. All right, and that leaves us with our last fight, which we're going to have to speed through just a tiny bit, which is Brendan Allen versus Kevin Holland. Allen making his UFC debut at 12-3. and He beat Aaron Jeffrey by rear naked choke on the Contender Series. Kevin Holland on a three-fight win streak, which is sort of under the radar, beat John Phillips, Gerald Mershar, and Alessio DeCirico. Uh, quite a win streak for Holland, although, like I said, kind of under the radar. Do you think the short notice here affects him in any way? Um, against someone like Brendan Allen, for sure, because honestly, someone like Brendan... He is that really, really solid wrestler. And Kevin Holland has gone on record saying he hates grappling heavy fights. He just wants to stand. Well, against Brandon Allen, that's going to be highly unlikely because once he gets you down to the ground and the chances that he does that are very high, there's no getting up from Brandon Allen. And we've seen time and time again, Kevin Holland struggle with that. His takedown defense needs work. His work on the ground overall needs work. So that's why he prefers to stand up and strike. Brendan Allen is not going to give into that kind of fight, especially now that he's making his uh, UFC debut. We saw how he how he performed on uh, Dana White's Contender Series, and that was a very dominant performance. We've seen his performance also in LFA. And I just feel like if he also utilizes the right game plan, which is a wrestling-heavy game plan, especially against someone like Kevin Holland, he should handily win this fight as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely on this one because, you know, Holland, it, it, just when I'm thinking about his fights, you go back to think about the Tiago Santos fight where he's sitting there laying on his back trying to taunt Santos into standing up with him, and Santos is just punching him in the head. And I see Brandon Allen doing the same thing here, ripping him to the ground, you know, taunting him. You, you can taunt him all he wants. He's not going to stand up and box with you. And, and as a result, I'm going with uh, Allen here probably by TKO. How about you? You know what? I'm going to say Brendan Allen by submission. He does love himself a rear naked choke. So I think that could probably materialize maybe in the second or third round, especially if Kevin Holland gets really, really frustrated by being on his back, which he does not like to be. Um, and he could just open him, himself up onto that little hole and Brendan can possibly submit him. So I'm going to say submission by second round. All right, guys. Well, that is all seven fights on this prelim fight card. So make sure you check that out. This Friday, which is coming up, I want to thank Kristen King for coming on. You can follow her on Twitter at Kristen King MMA, or you can find all of her work at Fansided MMA. Kristen, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me again, and I can't wait to do the next one with you. <laughs>